Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. The Farm Answers Podcast takes a deeper look at projects funded by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farm and Rancher Development Program and how they are reaching beginning farmers and ranchers. Good morning, Joanna. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. Today I am joined by Joanna Winkler, who works for Future Harvest. And Joanna, can you just tell me a little bit about Future Harvest? What do you do? Who do y'all serve? Sure. So we are a nonprofit in the Chesapeake region with a mission to advance agriculture that sustains farmers, communities, and the environment. Some of our flagship programming includes the program that's funded through this project, the Beginner Farmer Training Program. Additionally, we've had an annual conference for many years that is returning in person for the first time in two years in 2023, which we're really excited about. We also offer field days, which are educational events that are open to all farmers and people excited about farming in our region that are held on farms. And we really prioritize a peer-to-peer learning model that helps build community and uh, resiliency in our farming community. That sounds really good. You guys are doing a lot of different things, like many of the different programs that I've spoken to. Can you tell me about this project from 2019? This was a shorter-term project that's kind of bookended by two longer-term projects. So right before this project was the first time that we expanded the Beginner Farmer Training Program to include three levels. It had previously just been one level and reached around, I'd say, 20 farmers a year. It was designed for folks who were really ready to start their own farms, had kind of some experience farming, but wanted to learn more of the ins and outs of business and also kind of like farm decision making, you know, like you can work on a farm for a long time, but always being told what the next step is or what the next task is and without having that guidance about why things are happening when and how to prioritize different tasks, I think is so critical for new farmers to learn. So it was a bit of like a management and business 101 kind of program. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, that was kind of the core of it. But additionally, there was a big hands-on piece to it as well. So farmers were working on somebody else's farm for 200 hours during the growing season. Five weeks of a full-time job, essentially. Yeah, most people made it work more stretched out. Typically, it works out to about once a week for about six months is how a lot of people do it because they're still working on their own farms or working off farm or, you know, they're kind of integrating it as they're transitioning onto their own farming projects. But so that level still exists and is still what I kind of consider like the flagship level of the program. But we expanded to include a level for folks who were coming in with less experience and a level for folks coming in with more experience. So level one is for people who are kind of just getting started, maybe have a less flexible schedule, less time to commit to working on somebody else's farm, but they still really want to have that both the classroom learning and the on-farm experience as well. So we're getting them onto farms just a little bit less regularly, you know, maybe more on weekends, giving them the opportunity to try farming on, see if it feels, see how it feels, and then go from there. It's the sampler course. Exactly. And something that I really like about it is that 
because it is so much more accessible to people with so many more different circumstances, we're able to reach more socially disadvantaged farmers and kind of open that door in a way that we weren't able to previously with a program that had kind of a more set structure. And then additionally, with level three, we are creating more of a farm mentorship opportunity for farmers who have their own businesses, have been running them for somewhere in the three to five year range, and we're pairing them with an experienced farmer and they're visiting each other's farms a couple times a year and then also just having phone or text or Zoom check-ins throughout the year. And we hope that those relationships then go on in perpetuity to keep farmers in community, supported, connected, all the things that we know help farms to thrive. You've built a whole ecosystem. That's what I'm thinking. And I think it's really cool that you know, you guys had a great idea, right? With the the first grant, hey, we're going to, you know, do this program on hands-on, on-farm training, $200, all of that. And then that went well. And you thought, could we do more? So we're going to, you know, we're going to take the good work we've done and we're, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're just going to add and build on and, and so forth. Um, so I really, I like that a lot. And I definitely could see how, especially for that first group you, you mentioned, like, I called it the sampler course, how that would be very beneficial to socially disadvantaged farmers or just different people who maybe really have an interest in farming, but aren't able to commit the time yet, like to kind of light the fire in them to give them maybe the confidence to to move forward. And then that third group, I mean, you really are building community in all three levels, but that's ensuring the community lives on. So I just think it's very logical, but it's also sounds like it's going to be really effective too. So it's, I think it's really great. Nice job. Thank you. Yeah, we hope so. And we have been, of course, it, you know, it doesn't work for everybody, but we have seen people move. Some people move through all three of the levels, which has been really cool to see over time. Oh my gosh, that sounds really neat. And that's a really great lead in for my next question. How many people have been impacted by your program or maybe started farming as a result of it? So over the years of the beginner farmer training program, we have had about 400 graduates, which has really stepped up since we've expanded into the multiple levels because our class size is around 80 people per year. But then, you know, additionally through the other activities funded, through this grant, such as, you know, like our field school events, we're able to reach even more people. So, you know, somewhere around like 1,200 people per year at our field school events. Wow, that's a really great reach to be able to just contact that many people and also to give them the opportunity to consider farming or to, to begin farming. Those are big, those are big numbers. I don't know. I'm thinking other people who have these types of programs need to reach out to you guys <laughs> and see what you're, you just get ideas to, uh, and how do you, how do you have such a big program and, and reach, like I said, reach so many people. Well, I will say that number, that 1200 number is, you know, so because this specific project was during COVID, we did transition, you know, we had to kind of pivot to, doing a lot more virtual events. So that has really been able to expand our reach. And I think farmers have really enjoyed that flexibility, especially in a career that is so 
busy and time intensive to be able to access resources and education and community, even during those busy times, has been really valuable for folks. You took COVID and pivoted, like you said, and were able to reach more people. And that's really cool, too, to hear that the farmers you're working with have been receptive to it. Could you tell me a story maybe about a specific farmer that's been impacted by the program or seen really great results? We love to hear these personal stories on the podcast. I can talk about an awesome farmer in our region named Adrian Granston, and she and her husband have a farm called Kashiba Earth Farm. They're on Virginia's eastern shore. And, you know, when they came into this program in 2020, they were kind of still as she described it, still in startup mode, but really needing to take the time to focus in on writing a business plan and figuring out their sales and marketing outlets. You know, they were installing a lot of infrastructure on their farm, like a well and an irrigation system, permanent raised beds, things like that. But, you know, they were able to come into this program get a whole slew of information. You know, I kind of call it like a fire hose of information um, during, our, <laughs> during our classroom series because it's we're trying to cover so many aspects of farming at once, topics that you could study for years. And we all do study for years as farmers, but we're just kind of trying to give people an overview of all the, a lot of the different options out there and then allowing them to make it their own experience and offer more resources than anyone could ever need. And then people will take what they need at that time, you know, and be able to come back as a reference. So they were super involved in that element of the program. They were able to kind of dial in their record keeping systems. I think that was something that they identified as being especially helpful. And, you know, now they're continuing to farm and they're able to use that information that they have been gathering over the years to help make them, you know, make informed decisions. Oh, that's great. They have data. Yeah. <laughs> and they have the data all organized. It's not just in a big pile. So they found effective ways to use it and drive decisions, which that sounds like a real win. And some when you're starting up, right, all you're trying to do is farm. I mean, at least that's been my experience. You're just trying to farm. So taking that next step of, okay, now we got to get better at being organized and keeping track of things and figuring out our profitability and so forth. So... Um, how would a beginning farmer engage with your your program? So for the year-long beginner farmer training program, there is an application process where we accept, you know, we review applications previous fall, and then the program runs the following calendar year. And it is a competitive application process. You know, for other events, those are all open to the public. And so those people can find out about on our website. Additionally, you know, there are some other kind of partner events that are kind of more for even more targeted populations that we kind of help to establish over time and then let them do their thing. These study circles that we have kind of piloted around this time in this project were bringing together farmers around either an interest area or a region or experience level pairing them with somebody who could facilitate that circle and, you know, being there to provide support, but really just to kind of like get those people together and then let them do their thing. So, you know, sometimes our events are very like out in the open and we want as many, you know, we, we are very 
they're very open events. Sometimes they're more closed and and more, you know, something that we're trying to establish more of a cohort and and just let them be together. Well, both can be really effective too, right? Like it's great to have a big gathering. It's because it is really, it's an efficient way to get people together. It's a great way to get people interested. But then at the same time, right, the next step, like you're saying, is providing additional support or figuring out now, how do I use all this information that I gained from the big gathering? And and what I think sounds really cool from your program is that, yeah, uh, we, we get it started. We provide some support and then we kind of send the baby bird off out of the nest and and they fly and they figure out the information that they need and someone leads and like there it sounds like there's a real vested interest and that to me is a very difficult thing to create like something where people you know that aren't in the organization take that shared interest and want to see it you know survive and thrive and continue on so i think it speaks volumes about about your program and just probably how very good it is too so that's really cool to hear. What's going to be next for Future Harvest? Well, so we have, uh, you know, this project that we're talking about today was then expanded into a three-year project. So we're currently working um, with that framework, which has brought in some new partner organizations that's kind of expanded our geographic reach, you know, farther down into Virginia. You know, they're certainly in our service area, but historically we have been Maryland, D.C., Eastern Shore focused. So working with some cool partners to expand our offerings further down south into Virginia and also serving farmers of color more deliberately by partnering with BIPOC-led organizations. And additionally, through this new project, we are working with an additional partner to expand our kind of farmer financial literacy programming, um, especially in our, uh, you know, the more advanced levels of the program, offering them more one-on-one support as well as more targeted classroom offerings and, you know, offering different, like I said about those study circles, we're offering some some more and different ones of those to bring together more different groups of farmers. Very good. So lots of growth still happening and continuing to build off the the great framework that was already laid. Where do we find you on the web? And, and do you have um, you have social media? Everyone has social media these days. Can you give me all the, the details on that so people know where to look to find more information? Our website is futureharvest.org. Our Facebook is just FHCASA. Same with our Instagram is at FHCASA. The CASA part stands for the Chesapeake Alliance for Sustainable Agriculture. Our name has kind of shifted over time where now we go more by Future Harvest, but in the past we had gone more by CASA. So Future Harvest, Chesapeake Alliance for Sustainable Agriculture is the full long title. (laughs) Perfect. That's all right. Perfect. Very good. Well, yeah, everyone check out their website and social media. And if you want to meet some other farmers, it sounds like they get a ton of people at their their programs and there's a lot of vested interest. So check it out. Thanks for joining me today, Joanna. Thanks so much for having me, Betty. It was great chatting with you. Thank you for listening to the Farm Answers podcast. This episode was hosted by Betty Burning, produced by Curtis Monken and Jeff Reisdorfer. Listen and subscribe to the Farm Answers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major streaming platforms. Tell your smart device to play the Farm Answers podcast. To learn more about this USDA NIFA BFRDP project and other projects, visit farmanswers.org. 
The Farm Answers podcast and farmanswers.org are funded by the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and are a product of the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. 